For posterior teeth, the reverse preparation sequence essentially follows the same steps. In this case, we're not preparing either of the adjacent teeth, so we're using a 57 carbide burr to break the contacts on the mesial and the distal of this molar. And then once the contacts have been broken and we've achieved separation between the teeth, we're going to place our first cord. This would be the double zero cord, and this is going to go into place. I will typically floss it in place on the mesial and distal by hand, and then pack it to place with an instrument. We're showing you this on an illustration because it's uh, much more effective just to show this on an illustration than it is by actually preparing it. The next step, of course, is the preparation of the gingival margin with our round burr, the 801021 burr. And again, the burr is being held as perpendicular to the long axis of the tooth as it can be, and then taken to half of its depth, the farthest it'll go in. And we cut our margin on the facial and the lingual. We're going to go ahead and make some depth cuts using the MADC burrs that you'll find in the reverse preparation kit. This is the one that has four rings on it, the MADC uh, 2.0, the 2-millimeter depth cut burr. And you can see we're making sure that we hold the tip of the burr perpendicular to the tooth surface as we make these depth cuts in the top of the tooth. So we've got one in the central groove and then one in each of the cusp tips. This is the three-band 1.5-millimeter MADC burr. We make our axial depth cuts with this. By the way, that gingival depth cut we've already made is 1.25 millimeters deep. And those are the recommended uh, reductions that we'd like to have for any PFM or any all-ceramic crown as well. You know, two millimeters on the occlusal surface, 1.5 millimeters on the axial surfaces, and by virtue of the use of the margin creation with the round burr, we've got a 1.25 millimeter one. In reality, we see under reduction by dentists in all these areas, and we really need to try to stick to these numbers to get back some functional aesthetic restorations. Here we're using a large burr. This just happens to be an 856025, one of my favorite burrs to connect all those depth cuts on the occlusal. And that's literally what we want to do is make a swipe across and make sure we don't see any signs of the most apical part of those depth cuts after we've made that reduction. We're then using the 856025 to blend our axial depth cuts. At this point, I really try to cut these walls straight up and down. I don't try to get any taper in here. I want to cut it straight up and down because as I move along the prep technique and blend these axial planes a little bit further, I'll get the correct taper. So in my mind, I really want to cut this prep straight up and down or maybe even undercut it a little at this point. Anytime we cut with a burr in uh, opposing planes like this, we're going to end up with some sharp edges. Here we're using a 3M SB soft flex disc to remove those sharp edges. Very important to get restorations back that fit that we remove those sharp edges. Here's placement of the second cord. This is a size 2 cord from Ultradent being put into place on top of the double zero cord being packed down. The double zero cord, as long as it stays in contact with the base of the sulcus, when we pull that top cord, we will not have any bleeding. Very important that we put a copper cap on top of this preparation once both the cords are in. This is an anatomical copper cap with the little cutouts in the interproximal areas. We're going to place this over the prepared tooth. The patient's going to bite down on this for 8 to 10 minutes. And by using this two-core technique with the copper caps, I can honestly tell you that we have bleeding when we take an impression maybe one out of every 20 times, and that's typically pretty minor. In this section, I'd like to take a closer look at some impressions with you. We'll take a look at some highly acceptable impressions and some highly unacceptable 
impressions, and I'd like to see if we can't make a little list of the properties or qualities that both of these sets of impressions have. And hopefully this is going to help you make decisions in your office about whether or not to send a certain impression to a laboratory based on whether or not these characteristics happen to be in place. So let's go ahead and start and take a look at some highly acceptable impressions. Out of these four nice or highly acceptable impressions that I'm going to show you, I've prepared all these with the reverse preparation technique and with the two chord impression technique. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm a better clinician than you are. That's got nothing to do with it. It just comes down to the techniques that you use. There's no skill involved if you use good techniques. And that's what I found. And that's what I like about it. I don't like having to be brilliant uh, on a daily basis. Just use good techniques and you'll get good results. So as we look closely here, you can see the margin formation uh, around there. It's a uh, heavy chamfer or a shallow shoulder margin. And you can see the material that extends beyond it. And as we move through these impressions, you'll see more examples of that. Let's take a look at the second impression that we have here. Again, you can see very clear uh, margin formation all the way around. In fact, it almost looks, these impressions should look like they were taken on a Typodon. That's uh, one of the ways that we can tell, okay, this looks pretty good because it looks like it was done uh, without any kind of oral fluids or anything else. And again, that has to do with the two-core technique more than my particular skill. But as I look here at uh, tooth number nine, I can see that we've just got some great detail as we look here. And I can see a nice continuous margin all the way around the tooth. I can see it on the lingual margin as well. And I can also, again, see that extension of material beyond the margin heading down into the sulcus. The reason that material is there is we have a double zero cord in the base of that sulcus that's keeping any blood or saliva from contaminating the impression. And you can always tell a two-cord impression because that's what the edge of the material looks like. It is an impression of that double zero cord. And so, again, just as we scan over this impression, all the teeth are clearly represented. We've got all the margins visible. And more importantly, we have material that's in the sulcus beyond the margin. And that's an impression of the root surface of the tooth. And it gives the technician uh, exact information about what the emergence profile should look like. And it also shows them exactly where the end of the margin is. So uh, these, again, are characteristics of the highly acceptable impression. Let's take a look at our third one here. You can see this is done. This is a full arch case, full upper arch case, and this is done in a custom tray. I'm a huge fan of custom impression trays. It's some of the best money you will ever spend with your laboratory because you know the tray is going to fit perfectly. You have just uh, the right amount of relief. You know you're not going to bottom out with any of the preps anywhere. And it actually saves you money in the long run because you use about half as much of the expensive impression material when you have a tray that's just got four to five millimeters of relief throughout the entire arch. So let's take a closer look at tooth number 14 here. I'm just going to zoom in and take a look and see what uh, this molar looks like. And again, this is a really good example of what you can expect with the reverse preparation and the two core technique. On this fourth impression, uh, again, we see nice detail, clear detail. I'm going to take a little closer look here at tooth number 11, just kind of zoom in here a little bit. And uh, again, I can see that we've got the margin represented uh, all the way around the tooth. And then we've got that wall of material that extends beyond it. And that's really a nice uh, thing to see. Again, you know, if you picture the impression being in the mouth and that material being down in the sulcus, 
that is, in fact, an impression of the root surface of the tooth beyond the margin. And that's why, you know, we give so much information to the technicians when we take these types of impressions. I really feel that if you take an impression like this, you can demand perfect or close to perfect fitting restorations, great emergence profile. There's no reason why you should not get very, very nice restorations back from your laboratory with an impression like this. And if you don't, I think you have every right to complain, and I certainly do. Now, on the occasion where I do send a less than uh, uh, perfect impression to the laboratory and they don't quite get it right, I feel like I don't really have a leg to stand on, and they pretty much gave me back what I gave them. But on these highly acceptable impressions, you can be a lot more demanding. And this last impression is just a close-up of uh, one unit from another impression. And this one, just the angle of the photograph shows very clearly. You can see the facial margin. You can see the burr marks on the facial margin. And then again, you can see the extension of the material beyond the margin into the sulcus with no burr marks on it where the tooth has not been prepared. And then you can see how thick the ledge of material is where the impression material was in contact with the double Z record. So many times if you don't do this, this edge of material is very thin. And when the lab technician's pouring it up, it bends back and forth, but not so with the double core technique. We have a nice strong wall of material here that resists deformation. And you can see when this is poured up, we're, we're gonna see exactly where the margin is. We're going to get perfect information about the emergence profile. If this is not a perfect margin from the laboratory, absolutely send it back. You cannot give them more information uh, about where the margin is than what you see right here. You couple this with a digital photograph of what's going on here and a picture of the temps, and uh, you've got yourself a, a great case. I mean, there's no reason why the laboratory shouldn't be able to hand you back uh, a really nice-fitting, nice-looking case. Let's go ahead and take a look at some impressions that do not have these highly acceptable criteria. Here's an impression for a four-unit bridge from a lower first molar to a cuspid. And uh, the problem with this impression is the fact that it was taken with a double arch impression tray. Double arch impression trays are great for single units or two adjacent units, but should never be used uh, for any kind of bridge, especially a four unit bridge like this. The other problem with this impression is I roll it over. If you look on the lingual of the molar, you'll notice that we've got some of the trays showing through right at the lingual margin of that preparation, which is unacceptable. We need to have uh, impression material all the way around the lingual margin there and have no tray showing through, especially when it's in contact with the margin of the preparation. Here's an impression where a double arch tray was used to take an impression for a long span bridge. The triple tray, as you can see, subsequently fell off when the impression was poured, and that's not the main problem here because you don't get a lot of rigidity from a plastic triple tray. Anyway, it's the fact that a triple tray was used for a long span bridge. Let's go ahead and take a look at the models for this case. Here's the model work for that impression. If you take a look at it, you can see that the margins all look good on the preparations. In fact, the preparations are nice and we've got a nice path of insertion here, but the problem is the impression stops right here in the incisor region. We don't have anything over on the other side of the arch. As a result, when our technicians go to fabricate this bridge, they're not going to be able to put good lateral excursion function into this bridge. So the impression itself is okay, except for the fact that we don't have any kind of guidance from the rest of the teeth. So that makes it an unacceptable impression. This should have been taken with a full arch custom tray on the lower arch. Here's an exercise in frustration. Uh, this doctor had to take four impressions to try to capture the margins uh, on all the different teeth 
that were prepared, two full arch impressions and two uh, quadrant trays. It's very difficult and no amount of impressions will make up for sloppy tissue technique. And as we look just at one tooth here, we can see a pull coming from the side of there. We can see a pull over on this tooth as well. Uh, that's why I prefer the double cord technique that you'll see in this videotape because it gives me much more predictable results. I don't want to have to take four impressions and still not capture all the margins of my preparations. Here's the solid model from one of those four impressions and you can see what the problem is. We've got a nice well-defined margin as we move along here and then it just simply disappears on the lingual and the tissue is sitting up against the margin and there's really no way for us to be able to guess on a case like this and make a margin for you. The margins aren't much better on the bicuspids as well. So we have a bridge here where we cannot clearly see the margins 360 degrees around the tooth on any of the preparations. And again, the double core technique could have prevented this. It's hard to find anything good to say about uh, an impression like this. You have to look at it once or twice just to make sure which tooth has even been prepared. Uh, it is this tooth right here. There's not much you can say about a visible margin as we turn and look around. Uh, there was not two viscosities of material used. There was just simply one medium body material squirted into the tray and it was pushed down onto the tooth. There's no evidence of tissue retraction either. And a lousy impression like this can only give you uh, a lousy model. Let's go ahead and take a look at that model. Imagine for a moment that you're the laboratory technician that this model has been assigned to. Obviously, you're going to have some questions, uh, namely, where are the margins uh, would be the first one that would come to mind. This is going to be very difficult uh, for a technician to guess where the margins are, and this will result in a phone call to the doctor asking for a new impression. This impression, again, represents just sloppy tissue management, sloppy impression taking, massive amounts of pulls and noise and voids and double impressions over on this side. This was a pre-impression that was taken with a putty and was not relieved uh, consequently before placing the light body uh, material in place. As a result, you can see some of the uh, teeth adjacent to the preparation actually have thin layers of the light body material in there and other ones don't, uh, resulting usually in a double impression. Uh, just not a great impression. Let's go ahead and take a look at the model for this impression. As you would expect, the uh, detail on this model is in short supply. Uh, again, I have a difficult time reading the margin around the entire circumference of the preparation. As we turn it to the side, you can see the result uh, of all the noise and pulls that we had in the impression itself. It's really difficult to get an idea of what the anatomy of the adjacent teeth look like, which is going to make it even more difficult to build correct anatomical morphology into the crown we've been asked to make. This is an example of a good use of an anterior double arch tray because of the fact that we just have one unit that's been prepared here. I can see all the margins as I look around this impression, which is nice. I wish I could see more material uh, beyond the margins, so this tells me that this was done with a one-chord technique rather than a two-chord technique. My one area of concern on this impression is when I hold it up and try to look through it in the area of the bicuspids, I cannot see through the impression material, and that tells me that the patient was not in maximum intercuspation when this tray was in their mouth. So in a case like this, if you cannot see through there, we would ask you to take a separate bite registration and send it along with the case. And we will use that bite registration to mount the models. Let's go ahead and take a look at the model for this case. On the model, we can see the shoulder margin that the doctor prepared, 360 degrees around the tooth. We can also see some anti-rotational grooves that the doctor has placed into the preparation. And you'll see why those are there in a second. As I turn this over, you can see how short that preparation is. If I take a perioprobe and mention, we'll see that this prep is just three millimeters long on the facial and it's less than that on the lingual. So we have very little feral effect or mechanical retention to help hold this crown into place. 
What we would prefer to see is have the doctor place a couple pins and a core buildup and build this preparation back down to the level where it should be. Where should it be? Well, if you look at this adjacent unprepared tooth and imagine taking one and a half millimeters of incisal reduction, that's where this preparation should be and it's still a good two to three millimeters short of that at this time. As a result, we're gonna have to hope that our resin cement will retain this crown long term. On this impression, I like the doctor's selection of a full arch tray uh, for a three-unit anterior bridge. That's fantastic. What I don't like about it is that it's a two-step uh, putty wash impression. I would prefer that the light body material be syringed around the preparations while the putty uh, had not set and it was placed and they were able to set simultaneously. Uh, what we see when it's done separately like this is a delamination that occurs between the two materials. And you can see how I could literally just peel this right off and this will happen all around the periphery of the impression in thin areas on the inside of the impression this will pull away as well so if this is done as a simultaneous putty wash impression that won't happen when the two materials set simultaneously as a result we get some double impressions in certain areas and the margins aren't always very clear let's go ahead and take a look at this model on the model I noticed some pulls actually in the areas of the preparation that I didn't even notice on the impression sometimes these things are difficult to see on the impression and much easier to see on the model. The other thing I notice is how far subgingival that these margins are. This is always an impediment to taking a good impression when you have margins like this that are placed four or five millimeters subgingival. This makes it extremely difficult, if not impossible, to get good, accurate representation of your margins in the impression material. Here's an impression that looks uh, very nice. We've got a stock metal tray used for 10 units of full crowns that have been prepared on the maxillary arch. And as I look around, I can see not only the margins, not only the deep chamfer or shoulder margins on all these teeth, but I can also see uh, a small bit of material and extension beyond the margin of the preparation. This is going to capture some of the root surface and allow the technicians to develop a better emergence profile on the final restorations. Let's go ahead and take a look at this model. As expected, we are clearly able to see the margins on all these preparations. It's going to be very easy for the technician to be able to trim these dies and wax correctly to the proper margins. With this type of model and this type of impression, you certainly expect the final restorations to go right to place. These next two cases are highly unacceptable impressions. This first one is for a single unit crown, and this is all we receive from the doctor. As I flip this over, you'll see that it's merely bite registration that was extruded between uh, the patient's two teeth and then relined with some light body impression material. We have no adjacent teeth to go by, no opposing teeth, no real way to get the bite. This is the entire impression sent to us by the doctor. The chances of us making an adequate crown are slim to none. And likewise, on this next impression, this was taken without a tray. This again is a bite registration material relined with a light body syringe material. And this is even worse because this is for a bridge, a three unit bridge. And again, we do not have a lot of adjacent tooth information. Uh, we have nothing on the other side of the arch because of the flimsy nature of this and the chances of us making an adequate bridge. Uh, it's gonna be almost impossible for us to make a bridge that's gonna function well for this patient. Both of these doctors will need to be called to take new impressions.